So we gather on the occasion of Bhaktivedanta Goswami Maharaj's appearance day in the auspicious month of Kartik, and um, we have our Sunday morning conference phone call with a lot of devotees and. I was asked to say something about Sridhar so I did at that time, and I may repeat myself to some extent tonight, so you who might have heard that, <clears throat> before warned. Uh, not that it's not worth, uh, such things are not worth hearing again. We're especially blessed tonight in on the, this occasion of glorifying Pujapachudra March discussing his contribution by the presence of uh, two of my illustrious godbrothers who had the association, the personal association of Sridhar Marsh. Um, Sadhananda Prabhu, who is living in our midst these days, was uh, one of the early disciples of Srila Prabhupada to wander over across the the Ganges to the Sri Chaitanya Saraswatmat from the Chaitanya Daya Mandir of Iskon. And um, he was the person who asked uh, some of the most pertinent questions that could have been asked, in as much as they brought down from Sridhar Maharaj a very prominent chapter, which later became a chapter of his book, Sri Guru's Grace, the chapter entitled God Consciousness versus. Society consciousness, revolutionary speech, and reply to Satnanda Prabhu's questions for the most part in that chapter that would uh, cause uh, the sincere and spiritually interested of the time to their their hair to bristle on end and tears you know come to their eyes with a sense of. Yes, this is what I'm for. Uh, I stand up for this, as he says in the chapter. If you're a communist or something like that, you have to stand up and state your claim at some point. You know, this is what I stand for, and so forth. And I, that's I had the experience to read that book. It was my first really substantial experience of Pujapatrita Marsh, and that chapter was especially compelling. A call to you know stand up for what you. What do you believe in, despite the fact that it, it might not be what the country believes in or what the society believes in, and uh, just to really kind of focus what we've come for, what what's the purpose of all this, why are unity for what, and this type of idea. So, as I've mentioned on the phone call this morning, this Shudamarsh's contribution, which is immense, really, to a large extent, was in connection with Prabhupada's lineage, Prabhupada's disciples, and Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's desire expressed on a number of occasions to our Prabhupada to bring Sridhar Maharaj out, which Sridhar Maharaj affectionately said even after his passing, he's, he's finally done it. <laughs> he brought the Western world to my doorstep and bringing out whatever it is that I have within me. And, and he even said on one occasion that so many things are stored in there, and you are all the catalyst to uh, to bring it out. If only I was uh, young now, and I had young men and women like you, we could do something, something like that. So the earnestness of Prabhupada's disciples, which he marked as a characteristic of the group, and the best of them, I could say, other than myself, in connection with him, then... They, uh, they did um, bring out, uh, serve as a, uh, to be instruments, to be cattle, to bring out much of the treasure of his uh, insights that he held within. So that's a good example of that. So we're, we're honored to have his presence. And of course, the other illustrious godbrother of mine is Sriman Brahma Prabhu, who's here tonight and doesn't live far from our humble abode. And um, he was one of the most courageous of our of our God brothers to stand up for what he knew to be right, having heard from Sridhar Marsh, 
I don't know exactly now that I think about it, the events that surrounded his ultimately getting the Association of Street Immersion. I'd like to hear from him about that and refresh my memory. But when push came to shove, he stood up for what he believed in. And um, as Sridhar said, I believe something like that at the time. It was 1982, and Brahma had been associated with Sridhar for probably a couple of years by that time. And as um, uh, said, there's, you know, there's like the, 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 the Kurus are on the other side of the river, and they've got thousands of men, and the Pandavas on this side comparing himself to that. But we've got Krishna on our side, only a few people, but we're standing for the truth. And, and so forth. So at that time, it was 1982, that, that Iskand um, broke off connection with Sridhar Maharaj, who had been nursing them, at Prabhupada's suggestion, which they followed up on, and some of them were biting the teat, so to speak, and um, ultimately they, re- they rejected the nourishment. And um, so at that point, there was Husadi on, you know, um, and those Brahma was one of those who had been nourished and wasn't about to to give up, uh, give that up. And so he stood for what he believed in. And there was what a handful of people there uh, at that time. And they went and started the first uh, institution that uh, prominently represented Sridhar Maharaj in the Western world. And um, and from that um, institution, the first books came out. Uh, search for Sri Krishna, Reality of the Beautiful, Sri Guru and His Grace, and so forth. So, what were the? How, how, how did you get involved? Did you was it Sudhir went from New York, from L.A. and brought the questions? I went to from Los Angeles, and I met Sudhir Maharaj. And then when we went to Mayapur, he took me over to see Sri Maharaj. So he had, he had already had some connection with Sri Maharaj. Ramaswar had later made a list of questions. But that time. was after. Oh, that was that after? Was later. Huh. That was a little later, yeah. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Some time passed there. Uh-huh. So you went from Mayapur there, and it was maybe like 1980 or something like that? Yeah, it was around 1980 when I first yeah. uh, met Sridhar Maharaj. Yeah. And I knew that uh, that was the real thing mm-hmm. right away, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that was, it's a funny thing in that sense, you know, you hear it, you just know right away. Yeah. It's kind of a mystical thing. Yeah. And uh, eventually one thing led to the other, and um, we got kicked out of Los Angeles. Yeah. We got kicked out of Los Angeles, and, uh, and we ha- ended up starting the temple in San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And that's what it's like. You met him, and you, or you heard him, and and the first time I had the contact was through the book, Forgiveness Grace, and that was it. I knew that this is this is it. This is it. This is the solution to all the the problems. And I thought, wow, you know, people don't realize it, <laughs> but not everybody was um, responded in the, in the same way, which is very very telling. And um, so much confusion ensued as a result of not only of not hearing from him, but going against him and so forth. So anyway, anyway, we're, we're, we're honored to have these two uh, illustrious members of the Gaudiya Sampradaya following <laughs> in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the zigzag way, as Sridhar Maharaj put it, that, that uh, the flow of the parampara sometimes goes. I mean, Prabhupada was younger in age by about a year or so than Sridhar Maharaj, younger in terms of joining the mission. He was schooled by Sridhar Maharaj, as, uh, as he himself put it. Uh, everything I learned, I learned from Sridhar Maharaj when they lived together in uh, Prabhupada's house. Uh, Prabhupada didn't have the uh, opportunity to to live in the Mott because he was a householder and get much of any personal instruction from Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur, his lectures and so forth. Only on a handful of occasions did he say that he actually um, had such um, opportunity to speak with him or to personally, maybe he had a little more opportunity to hear from him in some of the classes and so forth. But the first six years, he hosted Sridhar Marjan and he told Hansadutta Prabhu that uh, everything I learned, I learned from Sridhar Marjan in terms of learning in a systematic way, the teaching and, and so forth. 
So on, on the basis of that, Prabhupada referred to him affectionately uh, as uh, his Sikha Guru. Even I benefit from the association would speak of you, he said in a letter to one of his godbrothers or one of his disciples who was looking for, felt the need of a Sikha Guru in India in Prabhupada's uh, absence. <clears throat> so, and it came to pass, as I say, that uh, Sridhar Marsh demonstrated the extent to which we could benefit from him in the capacity of a Siksha Guru, and Prabhupada opened the door to that in the end by saying, for Siksha, for all intents and purposes, for philosophy, was the word years, you can hear from my Gavada Bihar Sridhar Marsh, after my passing from the world. So, and, and this is this is the Guru Parampara, in a zigzag way, he said sometimes, because Prabhupada came uh, was his mission. He was senior to Prabhupada in the mission, senior in age. Prabhupada was certainly um, equal, if not senior, in contribution of service worldwide and and so forth. Um, circulation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, novel way in a way that will never be repeated in the history of this planet, probably, unless it all it melts or freezes over and starts again, <laughs> uh, and so forth. Huge, huge contribution, and, and in light of that contribution, Chidra Marsh tended to think himself small in comparison, and, uh, and someone who might, in some kind of functional, kind of practical, technical way, be of some assistance to Prabhupada's disciples, how he portrayed himself to me personally when I talked to him about siksha and advice and service and so forth. He, he said, you know, Swami Marsh Prabhupada told you everything. You know, I'm there to help in some technical way, perhaps. And so he tended to see himself in, in that light. Um, but at any rate, he then kind of came after Prabhupada in terms of the big worldwide campaign and his participation in it. He was in the background and not really participated in it to uh, much of any invisible way. There were occasions uh, that he did. He was the, the one god-brother of Prabhupada that supported Prabhupada in his efforts to purchase land in, in, uh, in Navadweep, in the Dam. Um, Prabhupada originally wrote to Tirthamarj, uh, who had the charge of the Gyogapit and Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthakura's moth and asked for a place to build a, a guest house and he would pay for it and so that the disciples could have a place to come in Mayapur. But for different reasons, whatever they may have been, Tirthamarj was not amenable to that idea. So Prabhupada... Um, didn't appreciate that too much, and he used to ride to his eventual property, Chandranaya Mandir, right past the Samadhi of Bhaktisiddhanta, and he wouldn't go in, he wouldn't look. And <laughs> so, uh, at any rate, there was some opposition to Prabhupada uh, bringing his Western disciples there, having a, a place. But Sridhar Marsh worked to um, help him acquire that. So that's the one instance. There's an instance in which uh, one of Prabhupada's disciples, Chitananda Marsh, went to Sridhar Marsh and interviewed him for an article for Practicante magazine. Prabhupada appreciated it, wanted it to be to be printed, and it was printed in Practicante magazine. So there was a little interaction. Prabhupada invited Sridhar Marsh to oversee the installation of the Anantaseshdidi, and was one of the foundation of Prabhupada's temple to be, which is still waiting to happen. I guess the Chandadaya. Mandir, now termed the Temple of Understanding, and so forth. He was invited uh, by Prabhupada to preside over the installation of Krishna Balaram Temple uh, as well in the deities there, but he couldn't come because of his health. So there was this exchange between Prabhupada and Sridhar Maharaj. It was Sridhar Maharaj to whom Prabhupada wrote in America when he suffered a heart attack and was in doubt as to whether to proceed here in preaching field where he might die. He had suffered at least one heart attack. I think this was in New York, the East Coast at that time. And of course, he had heart attack on the, on the boat, too. Um, 
or, or at least he was sick there. I think he had a heart condition. But uh, it was Sridhar at any rate, he wrote to for advice. Or should I go back to the Dom and leave the world from you know that holy place? That's which is of course what is the general idea. You go to Vrindavan to pass away as a Vaishnava and so forth. Sridhar advised him to stay and preach. You've got your field there. You're having some success and, and so forth. And um, so there was there were occasions. There was some communication between Prabhupada and Sri Dharma before his leaving from the world and his advice to us that we could take instruction from him. Uh, he, he went to Sri Dharma's moth and brought some of his disciples there who, whom he had returned to India with uh, after his success in America. And uh, it was there, incidentally, that the uh, Kinchana Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj and other Godbrother of Prabhupada's and Sridhar Maharaj's, who was uh, affectionate to both of them, was uh, present at the moth at that time and chanting, chanting the famous, one of the famous Sanskrit uh, poems written by Sridhar Maharaj in praise of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur that uh, became a standard song in every, every branch, every month affiliated with the Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi Thakur. It didn't become an Iskam, but Prabhupada did say he wanted it sung every day. Uh, he told that to, I think, Akhayananda Maharaj, who was the president of Krishna Balaram Temple at the time. Pranamami Sada Prabhupada Padam. A beautiful song. Every moth, every Gaudiya moth sings that. So this is one of his original Sanskrit contributions, and uh, the likes of which are reminiscent of the works of the Goswamis themselves. We don't find these kind of compositions um, much in between the time of the Goswamis, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, you know, maybe a century later and and, um, up to the time of Bhakti Vinod Thakur and so forth. Srinivas made a number of very unique and uh, profound literal, from a literary point of view, from a philosophical point of view, Sanskrit comp- compositions con- and contributions to the Sampradaya. This was one of them. To list a few of the others, the Premadama Deva Stotram is one. A uh, hundred some, maybe 108 verses glorifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. His whole Leela and his teachings basically can be found in there. It's it's like a mini Chaitanya Charitamrit in song. That takes a lot of genius to do that and, uh, and poetic genius. He was dubbed by his Gurudev, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, as Shastranipuna. Shastranipuna is the term used by Rupa Goswami. Shastra, Shastra, Yukte Chanipuna. Uh, this is described in the Uttam Adhikari, the one who is most best suited to traverse the path, whose faith is steeped in, in uh, is well informed by Shastra. Thus, he has the capacity to engage in Shastra Yukta. Shastra Yukta means the logic, to make, to logically explain the scriptures, how they work, how they fit together, to draw out from them. It means a dynamic meaning, the logical, plumb the depths of the logical implications of them in terms of time and circumstance, numerous meanings. And so forth to show how it all the scripture works together. Uh, this is what, uh, for example, Vyasa did, the Adi Guru, in a sense, uh, in his Vedanta Sutra, showing how the Upanishads, this, those jungle of sounds, were all really saying the same thing. So this 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 term in Shastranipuna means a scriptural genius. These are the words that Rupa Goswami uses. They're echoed in Chaitanya Charitamrita and Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami speaking about different types of devotees. So this term was invoked by Bhaktisthansarasthi Thakur. He called Sri Shastra Nipuna. He had captured Bhaktivinoda Thakur in one of his Sanskrit compositions in a way that Bhaktisthansarasthi Thakur felt Bhaktivinoda had incarnated in that uh, that one verse of the, uh, what is it, Dvadasabhiraha, of uh, the feelings of separation expressed by Sridhar Maharaj in Sanskrit for Bhaktivinoda Thakur.
he uh, wrote the uh, Prapanna Jivanamritam, a beautiful book about Sharanagati, drawing from all the revealed scriptures, verses, and categorizing them under the six limbs of Sharanagati. This is a very interesting book. Govindamarsh used to say this is a whole, you don't need any other book than this. You don't need anything else other than Sharanagati. We just gave a seminar, as some of you are aware, on Sharanagati in uh, North Carolina. It was very well received. And the way in which Bhaktivinoda Thakur took that limb, it's one limb of uh, Vaidhi Bhakti, really. He embraced that and made it a central piece of his Parivara, of his lineage, and theologized about it in a way that, to an extent, I should say, that hadn't been done by uh, Rupa Goswami, who mentions it as an Anga of Bhakti and Bhakti Rasamrita by Jiva Goswami, who writes about it for several pages in Bhakti Sandarabha, by Sanatan Prabhu and Shivapabhata Goswami, who cited it in, in Hari Bhakti Vilas, citing the Tantra, Vaishnava uh, Tantra, where the six limbs are mentioned, and so on and so forth. But Bhaktivedanta took these, the, the seeds of this writing about Charanagati and developed and theologized about that. As I say, he made it the central piece of his um, his sect, and and very much as 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 part of the uh, the means of crossing from Vaidhi Bhakti to Rag Bhakti. So Shridharma was much centered on that himself. In, in this book, I had, and it was in Vrindavan, and um, I think maybe Shingamarsh took it back from me. He gave it to me. I think he took it back from me, an uh, original copy of Prabhupada's Prapanajivananda, his own copy with his signature written on it, like you would write your name on your own book, on, on the book, it's mine, in two different places. Uh, it was a book that was published um, by the contribution of his sister, Baba Tarini, Disciple of Gosami, Bhakti Saranga uh, Gosami Maharaj, another disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta. She got, I think, Harinam from Bhakti Siddhanta and second initiation from Bhakti Saranga Gosami Maharaj. She paid for Sridhar Maharaj's book. This is giving a little bit of a feeling of you know, the connection. Prabhupada's sister, Gosami Maharaj, Sridhar Maharaj. As someone mentioned today, these Gaudiamats, uh, they were, we call them Gaudiamat, they were the result of the breakup of Gaudiamat. Many of them, they they were or loose confederation of sannyasis with different missions that did have interaction, healthy interaction with one another. Their disciples would see all of the their god brothers in these different three, four, five, six, half a dozen or so missions. There was Keshav Maharaj's mission, Madhav Maharaj's mission, Sridhar Maharaj's mission, Sarbhakisram Goswami Maharaj's mission, Bon Maharaj's mission. Um, and, and, and so forth. They would all see all of the God brothers as, as their six gurus in the general sense. And, uh, it was a, it's quite an endearing kind of a model, really, in a, uh, compared to what we find today. So, at any rate, uh, Baba Tarini, she paid for the book, and she was a disciple of Saranga Goswami, she had asked initiation, second initiation for Sridhar Marj first, but he was decided not to give any initiations until he was pushed, he felt, by Nityananda Prabhu, who bargained with him when he had requested to just reside and retire in the Dom of Navadweep. Nityananda Prabhu gave him the impression from within that you ask for my mercy, but you don't give your mercy to anybody. Shridharmarsh took it, okay, I've got permission to stay here, but if anybody comes, I have to give them initiation. I won't go looking for them, but if they come on their own, then... So this was his, his position. So before he had come to that that uh, position, Prabhupada's sister had asked him for initiation. So at, at any rate, they were all intimately you know, connected. And so that book is, is there, a very powerful uh, book on, on, on Sharanagati. That's been reprinted in nice English uh, translation edition. His uh, commentary on the Gayatri Mantra is uh, another gem of the of the Sampradaya. These things were lying largely uh, un- unpublished and un- not circulated. Uh, his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita on, on the Chatur Slok of the Gita, in particular, was very. Um, 
forward uh, pushing and uh, and and deep, uh, bringing Parakya Bhava out of Bhagavad Gita. He showed it to Prabhupada. Asked, "What do you think?" They were living together, writing their Gita commentaries together in the same house. And Prabhupada said, "Yes, it must be, it must come to that." Hmm? Yeah, what is it? Satatam Kirtayantomo. No. That's the first Bhagavad Gita verse I learned. How's that verse go? No. Next one. Tesham Satata Yuktanam Bajitam Pritipurukam Tadami Budiogam Tam Yena Mam Upayantite Upayanti Upapati. He said, Come to me, Upa. Upapati means paramour. Pati means husband. Upapati means kind of a husband. <laughs> and so, paramour. Lover, they must come to that. They come to me in, in, in Paramore love. He shows the way. They've already surrendered. They have Priti Purva come. He gives the Buddha Yogam to come to me in the night. Secret wisdom, so they won't get caught. This kind of thing. So, this way, he drew Parakya out of Bhagavad Gita. And uh, so, a number of very profound Sanskrit compositions, and many of them came to light and were circulated widely in conjunction with Prabhupada's disciples coming to him to hear from him and uh, and so forth. So his um, inner wealth is great. Prabhupada noted that. One of the prominent examples of his inner wealth was his contentment to dwell within. He had no necessity to, to uh, reach out in a sense, um, he was considered himself like a backward-pushing man, to use his own terms. He was known, I mean to say, in Gaudiamath, to have no pratishta, which is a big thing, especially for the sannyasis in preaching, because pratishta will come. This will, if you take a prominent position for outreach, then people will come and they'll praise you and so forth. So he was had no inkling for that. That was a big, big thing. And he was widely respected for that. So his, what I mean to say, his his reluctance to outreach and and be in the public uh, indicated that he had no people could do that for prestige. When when Balabatirtha Maharaj first came to America, this was several years ago, at the request of Puri Maharaj, he came only with householder he came only with householder disciples. He didn't bring any sannyasis because if one of his sannyasis had come with him to the West, oh, then they would have been, you know, the big one who went to the West, and, and it might go to his head. He thought so. He didn't bring them. <laughs> so he, anyway, Shiramarsh didn't have any um, any inkling like that, and it, it 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 caused him to be a little bit backward pushing and not wanting to be in the limelight and so forth, which again is a very good quality. Of course, by Krishna's arrangement, such people often do get pushed into the limelight. I once said to him, you've pushed backwards so far from the front stage that you've come out, you know, on the other side. You know, there's the two doors on the different sides of the stage, and if you go back, you come around for everybody to see. I likened it to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who, when returning to Puri, or excuse me, returning to Navadweep, was being followed by everybody. Uh, the hometown boy, the sannyas, who had converted the whole of Jagannath Puri, had returned, and people in throngs were following him, and he tried to go incognito. Went to the house of, I think, uh, Vidya Vachaspati, uh, one, uh, what was his name? Uh, one, one Balabha, I think, and the people were down below, and they were chanting, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, his sannyas name. He came out on the veranda of the balcony, and he said, why are they chanting like this? And Sri Vastakra said to him, you're like the sun who having having arisen tries to hide himself. Go back out there. <laughs> Accept it. Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Sri Krishna Chaitanya. So, like that, Chiramash came into the full full view. Right? The Western world came to his, his doorstep and without him trying in any way, trying to avoid, uh, not that he's trying to avoid preaching or uh, it was his nature, and um, it was a good quality. So I want to say, so. And he was brought out by Prabhupada's old friend. He said, 
even after his departure now, he's still working on me to bring me out, as Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi encouraged him to do, and and so when he did, and he, and his ideas, his theology, his inspiration, and so forth has been widely circulated. Now it's so widely circulated, people quote it, speak it, and they don't know. But they don't, but true to his nature, they don't know where it came from. <laughs> he still managed to stay out of the limelight to some extent. But the extent to which his ideas, his thoughts, it happens like that. You know, what's that? There's that saying that first they attack him. First they ridicule him, then they deny him, vehemently oppose, then accept it as self-evident. As self-evident, yeah, yeah, self-evident. Shri Marshall, yeah, as self-evident. You know, anybody know would have known that. You know, <laughs> ideas that where they were opposed to, you know, 20 years ago and so forth. So he's such a person who's come into the. You know, for those who have the eyes to see, so it's our business. On days like this, and every day of the year, to try to make that 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 point and rectify a very um, dark period in the history of Gaudi Vaishnavism's dissemination in the Western world, that um, turning away from the hand that feeds them was Prabhupada's disciples turning away from from Shridhar, not just turning away, but even making offense. This is a dark chapter, and um, Effects of it are still being felt. At that time, Shidomar said, uh, I feel for the future of ISKCON. It's cracked at the foundation. It will become a shadow of Sampadaya. And, and objectively speaking, that uh, uh, one could make the argument that that's uh, come to pass. Not that it can't be rectified, and uh, there is still some hope for the mission. Shidomar has always held hope for the mission even after that. And, used to refer to it as the present administration of the great movement of Prabhupada, the Swami Mars, that would, you know, change after time. And he had no I no no sense of let's start another mission and you know and that's people like us are doing <laughs> doing that, kind of translating it out on the lower level. Not that it doesn't need to be done, but you know, he was kind of in one sense content. It's all over the world, it's gone let's just wait the, the, the present uh, but the administration will change and, you know, they'll embrace the truth and so forth. So we're still waiting for that. <laughs> of course, he did give us the option to work separately. He personally told me, go and do something for your Marsh preach, start a mission. He told me that in his, in his, in his, in his, in his bedroom one evening. And I approached him personally for some, with some personal questions. Um, so uh, here we are, and so anyway, in this way, he may have made a major contribution, and the major uh, brunt of his contribution was in relation to ourselves, like ourselves, that this might go on to nourish that, to um, kind of um, uh, help the disciples of Prabhupada do something that Prabhupada on a number of occasions suggested would be a good idea, boil the milk. And as I said before, there is no time when such would be more the uh, need of the hour than at the time of Prabhupada's departure from the world. This is the time when the Acharya leaves to reflect deeply on his contribution, on what it is he gave us, uh, what what he put in our heart to think about that, and to and to try now to contact him within. I mean, Shridhar himself set that kind of example with the departure of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi from the world. He did not uh, get involved in the politics of Gaudiamath. He retired to do his bhajan, and as to say, he made that compromise with Nityananda Prabhu, so there was some outreach that he was involved in too. But um, he set that kind of example. Let, let me boil the milk. Let me find Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta within, and so forth. Prabhupada also kept Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi within, in a sense. He took him within, and then the essential Bhaktisiddhanta, if you will, was, was reincarnated or embodied in Prabhupada for outreach, the dynamic outreach. But he wasn't putting him in the forefront and saying, 
but he's still here, you know, today, you know, trying to keep him here. He let him go <laughs> to the to the Nitilila. And he internalized him, as Sri Dharmaraj did, but he was an outgoing person, probably, so he was charged for the, with the mission of going and preaching in the English languages and so forth, as he understood from Bhakti Siddhanta Sarkati Thakur. So he very much internalized him. He wasn't putting Vyasa sounds from here from him everywhere and invoking his in 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 a way that some people would like to do with Prabhupada and you know, pretend that he's the Purvacharya, our Prabhupada is is still here. He's here in the context of the of a Purvacharya. This is the point. There's a change that's happened. We have to understand in what way he's here and how to contact him. Not in the same capacity as the initiator, as the present Acharya, who leaves no room for any new time and circumstance calls and, on, and explanations of scripture and preaching strategies and so on and so forth, which Prabhupada was full of. So they both, in, in different ways, so to speak, exemplified this principle. At the time of the passing of the Guru, one has to find him within. And to the extent we can't attach us ourselves to those amongst us who, who can and, uh, and help them with the mission, not get in the way. So um, that was the need of the hour. And as I say, uh, Prabhupada had a couple of times uh, told us, now we should boil the milk, now we should boil the milk. And um, this was the, the really the, the perfect time for that. And Sridhar Maharaj ministered to us with that in mind, that principle in mind. And, but he was ignored by many, offended by some, and outreach, you know, outreach, just do more outreach was the thing. And um, and uh, I, can, I, my testament personally is that I was there in some of those outreach classes from the you know the, the new Vyasasans in Mayapur that were supposed to be Srimad Bhagavatam classes, which I really, and I'm a bit of a fan of the Srimad Bhagavatam. As you know, and to you know to go to Mayapur, as Prabhupada told me, 1974, every year you come and spend one month with me in, in Vrindavan and Mayapur. The rest of the year you go and preach and sell books. So to come to Mayapur and be with Prabhupada for a month and hear him every day give the Bhagavatam class, that was like that would charge my battery. You know, that was I lived for the, for for that the whole year. Of course, then a few sometimes you, you would come to America and you'd get to connect here or there. As well, but a whole month with Prabhupada, you know, uh, in a festival environment, hearing and chanting and, and so forth, going out, you know, and selling those books, that was hard to do. <laughs> so uh, then to come to the classes and, you know, see somebody give, a, give the class and, and if they could tell a couple jokes and the, the people laugh and then get a, and so, you know, We'll distribute books all over the world, kind of rah 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 cheerleading type thing. I was really disheartened. I was thinking this festival is not what it used to be. <laughs> you come to the Bhagavatam classes, and it's just like there's no philosophy here. And this is how I felt. And over across the river, then that philosophy was, was, was going on, you know, from Shrido Marsh, as, as we could see later as it came out in the books and so forth. So this is. Um, was the time to boil the milk. If those fellows had boiled the milk and could come out then with the help of Sridharmarsh with deeper insights into the texts and so that Prabhupada had given them, wow, we would have been inspired to go out and do outreach, <laughs> you know, automatically without any any kind of like churning up the marathon, you know, and rallying the troops with some kind of a pep talk type of a, you know, so-called Bhagavatam class. Uh, that was, anyway, my personal experience. Others may have experienced it differently, but it, for me it was a real vacuum, a spiritual vacuum, a, a void that uh, Sri Dharmarsh filled you know, very, very uh, uh, deeply hmm, with uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava insight. I remember when I was challenged by the leaders of ISKCON at the time, the, the present administration at that time, why you have interest in Sridharmarsh. I had developed this interest in Sridharmarsh and I was was suggested to me by the devotees whom Brahma was with who started the first temple, don't leave now, circulate within, you know, and 
we thought at any day now they're going to recognize Sridhar Maharaj and, and I could be instrumental because I was well known. So I got caught and and uh, I was still struggling to you know work with that and and the idea of leaving and going separate and so forth. And they, the GBC called me. I guess it was eighty five or eighty four or something. And, and they they asked me, you know, why are you here for Shudamarsh? I said, it's like, it's like Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you know. Which even today is a term that I, I invoked this term. Just, I said, you know, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in, in, in my recent visit to the East Coast. And one of the devotees asked, you used the term Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Could you explain that? Now, she knew what it was, but she, I asked her, like, why do you do that? You know, she said, because a lot of people, they don't know. They only know ISKCON. They don't know what Bodhivashna is. I was shocked. So anyway, I used the term quite some time ago, and and and, and this is what, of course, we're we're about. This is our sampradaya, and uh, I said I'm enriched by that as Bodhivashnaism. I said something else at the time, which I felt strongly about too. I said I feel like if I were to leave today, because I'm taking kind of a, a position that's not popular to you that none of you would care, none of you would come after me. And I have a good reputation, all of you know my contribution, but Sridhar Mershom, I haven't met yet, but I read his book and I'm going going over there. He, I feel like if he knew that Tripurari Swami, he heard who I was and what my contribution had, been, had left, that he would call for me. That's how I feel, just from reading his book. I feel there's some heart, there's a, this Vaish, there's, there's a, he's a Vaishnav, he has compassion, he has... And, and so forth, and a capacity to care deeply about the soul. It's not a plaything, this faith that you've come to the mission, you've joined, that you might go away, and who cares, get rid of them, you know, kind of a thing. Shudamarsh didn't relate to it like that, that you are a soul. I mean, this is his perspective. You're a soul, Brahmanda Brahmite, wandering throughout the Brahmanda, the universe, and by Bhagya, by good fortune of Sadhu Sangha, you, you got Krishna in your heart, brought you to the Guru. And from the Guru, you're getting Krishna in a systematic way. You're going back to Godhead. I mean, it's like we used to give the example that you know, the turtle goes under the, in the water and then the ice forms on top. He has to come up at some time. He's got a big lungs apparently, but sometimes he's got to come up for breath. There's a little hole somewhere in the pond. You know, he's got to find that one hole. So to make that connection, that is so... Human life is rare, extremely rare. And human life sadhu sangha, in the context of that, to find a sadhguru, and Sudhamash would think, and they've come this far, and they're being thrown out. They're being discouraged and going away. I cannot bear it. I cannot bear that. You know, to hear that and to feel him say such thing, he could, he could, he, you knew he could, he, he, he understood those, those things were not theoretical for him. This was a reality. He was living in that, that the soul's plight, hmm, the meaning, the, the value of connection with the sadhu. And here he's thinking connection with Prabhupada, the sadhu, and I have to, and I want to minister to that, to keep that intact. And people are, thinking it's good that they're going away. At one point he said, as far as I can tell, they're thinking to keep the purity of the movement, some people will have to be sacrificed. But I'm thinking another way. I'm thinking they've gone mad with power. Who are these people? And what, for bringing new people in the back door, in the, the front door, while the older men are going out the back door discouraged? He really couldn't bear it. It was like, you know, this would like, he'd lose sleep over that. And these, he didn't know these people, right? Personally, he knew them, he cared for them, you know, on a deeper level than people who had served, you know, next to them. They were so ready to, just, you know, he's off, you know, she's off, and uh, excommunicate or whatnot, or not to excommunicate, but you know, he's discouraged. So what, anyway? You know, better he doesn't come around. Hmm? Persona non grata, you call it. Better he didn't come around. They were happier if he didn't come around. And these temples were formed for these people by Prabhupada, you know, to give them support, to 
in their spiritual lives and for them to feel un, unwelcome there. On Chutananda Maharaj mentioned earlier, at one point, a godbrother of mine met him in New York and said, how come you never come to the temple? He said, hmm, yeah, I don't know anybody there. It's actually a profound statement. It's all new people. All the people who built the temple, paid for it, you know, <laughs> who served in New York from the beginning. From, you know, he was 26 Second Avenue, you know, joiner. They're all gone. Hmm? I don't know anybody there. It's a different place. So, Sudamarsh considered the farce, the preaching, the outreach that was bringing in new people and old people going, going out the door, being disenfranchised being unenthusiastic to participate in the temple and being made to feel that by the whatever the policy may have they've been in. Let's face it, a lot of people feel like that. So either there's a lot of impure elements or maybe there's an impure element in the present administration kind of a thing that's not that should be, you know, reflect it's our fault that the people are leaving and the outreach is is somewhat of a Questionable in terms of its being a marker of uh, of our a meter of our success when the bottom is falling out the foundation. Where are the seniors? Where are the elders? There should be so many of them. I mean, you know, Los Angeles Temple had three four hundred devotees. Where there were three hundred senior devotees uh, who had internalized and could be you know share the wisdom. Or who could have gathered around, you know, one or two of their godbrothers who really did internalize and be like uncles for new, I mean, new people. I mean, it was powerful when they were energized. The outreach it was powerful and it was meaningful. I mean, you it, it's a fair standard of measurement. And this way, Shudamar looked at it. What's the success? What so with, without the inward reach? Really, without the boiling of the milk, there's really not much overflowing. That's the outreach. Really, the outreach comes from boiling the milk. Like I mentioned the other day, Prabhupada, the very first time that one of my godbrothers wrote to Prabhupada about my service of selling books, Prabhupada wrote back, very nice that Tripari Das is selling so many books, but you should make sure that he's also always reading the books. So these two go hand in hand. Boiling the milk and the milk is overflowing. That's really the outreach. I used to go personally. This was my program in Los Angeles when I was a young man. Uh, I would chant as many rounds as whatever I could, and with the time allotted, to go to the program. And then afterwards, after breakfast, I'd go and stand in front of the deities with whatever rounds I didn't chant. I just chant until I got, I just chant until I got like inspired. Then I would go out and talk to people and sell books. That was my initial kind of approach to the to the outreach. So, and my party was well known for, you know, reading the books and studying them and so forth. And so I took that to heart. And, and uh, so, you know, outreach went on at a time when inward, inward reach was most appropriate and there was a person there, as you probably would say, use a phrase like this sometimes, by the transcendental system, by an arrangement beyond our control, a person was there and a super, super qualified person to help boil that milk. I mean, you could not find a more competent person in every respect who knew Prabhupada personally. I mean, to live with with a person for six years, you got to know him pretty good, you know. The ins and outs of that person. Prabhupada lived six years in Prabhupada's house. He knew him really well. He was one godbrother who always supported Prabhupada. I was saying, I didn't connect that, but I think we went to the, he took his disciples to the Chaitanya Saraswat Math when they first returned from India. And Kinshina Krishna Babaji was singing Pranamami Shada Prabhupada Padam. And afterwards he said, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada. Prabhupada's disciples heard and they thought it was really nice. And so they had been calling Prabhupada Prabhupada. They asked if they could start to chant that like that. And Prabhupada said, yeah. So that beginning of the chanting, Prabhupada, everybody, you know, how many times did you chant? Did he chant it enough? You know, 
Is he really a Prabhupada man? You know, kind of a thing that goes on sometimes. That came from from a Kirtan discussion of Babaji Maharaj that that you could do such a thing and at Chaitanya Saraswat Mat. So anyway, a very competent person, Sridhar Maharaj, to um, to guide in terms of his knowing Prabhupada, in terms of his affection for Prabhupada, in terms of his appreciation for Prabhupada's contribution. I mean, he was like a Siksha Guru Prabhupada, he was senior Prabhupada, but Prabhupada was his own man as well. I mean, he had his own energy and his own his own thinking as as a, as a Param Vaishnava and so forth. And Sridhar Marsh, uh, you know, he was senior Prabhupada in some ways. In some ways he considered himself lesser than Prabhupada, like just a just to say, you know, he's giving nectar everywhere freely, you know, like it's water. What have I done? What can I do? You know, in some small way, I'm left behind to assist by his request. I'll do what I can, you know. So both of them thought, you know, had regard for the other as, as it should be amongst Vaishnavas. And as I say, always supporting Prabhupada. When the God brothers complained about Prabhupada calling himself Prabhupada, he supported them. They came to him to challenge. Why they came to Sridhar Marsh? With the six, seven of them, you know, he's calling himself Prabhupada. Why did he come to Sridhar Marsh? Because Sridhar Marsh was so affectionately connected with Prabhupada and because he was so highly regarded both for both. Because you can talk to this guy, you, you live with him, you know him the most. You know, Prabhupada wasn't living as a member of the Moth, but after the Moth broke up, Chaitanya Moth, Gaudiya Moth, as again, he lived with Prabhupada. Prabhupada and she lived with and Sridhar Marsh lived together. At, at Prabhupada's invitation. So, you know, they went and they complained to Sridhar Marsh that your friend, you know, our god brother, Swami Maharaj, you know, is calling himself Prabhupada. Of course, Prabhupada said, I'm not, they are, my students are, you know. But Sridhar Marsh supported him, yes, it's, it's appropriate for what he's done. He said, he said, well, what he's done, you, you'd be doing good to be a bell ringer in his movement. You're all just, you know, he probably called them bell ringers, he criticized them, they're just bell ringers. Sridhar Marsh said, that's quite a compliment coming from him. If you could be a bell ringer in the movement he's got, you'd be somebody. He said Marsh. symphony. Hmm? He said he's playing like a big symphony. <laughs> he says, Swami Mars, he's playing a big symphony and there's a big orchestra there. And he says, and Sarah, someone, he is playing the bell, uh, the triangle, triangle like that thing. Mm-hmm. He says, he's playing that. He said, so if you can be that in the big symphony, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, so the prophet called you a bell ringer. He told it right to their face, you know. So he was bold in supporting uh, Prabhupada. He wasn't out there running around, you know, championing the cause. So that wasn't his nature. And anyone would come to his mouth. He was Udasina, you know. He was like equally balanced and so forth. But he stood up for what he believed in, and he believed in what Prabhupada was doing. He was proud of it. He was proud of it. He was humbled by it. He was uh, just uh, in awe of it and uh, and wanted all all good for it for all time and for all of the students and so forth. I mean, a huge, huge well-wisher. And then very deeply knowledgeable, as we said, Shastra Nipun of, of the scriptures, and in a novel way, and he acquainted with Western thinking in his own time, you could see. We met him, you know, not in a later date, but in his prime. He was up to date with what the Western thinkers were thinking without an internet. You know, he managed to get a book of Hegel, you know, somewhere, obviously, because he quoted him, or um, this, uh, you know, Bishop Berkeley, you know, Hume, and he'd quote these people. So he was uh, found a way to educate himself, and then use that education in Krishna consciousness. They would say about him that if Sridharmarsh is reading a newspaper, it's like reading the Vedas. What he's getting out of that, how he'll use that, and so forth. And he can convert the newspaper into the Veda. The newspaper is not going to convert him. So. Competent in realization, competent in knowing the theory, uh, in, you know, intimate associate with Prabhupada, well-wisher supporter, and, and, and very, and not, not, not able to be swayed by partiality in a negative sense by affection. Spiritually, we want we want partiality, but you know, he's balanced, very balanced and fair. The time where there might be discussions and disputes and difference of opinions and so forth, and he would answer them fairly and draw down examples from the Leela to make his points and, and weigh in and give his opinion. I mean, you could not find a better person. And yes, someone says, "Well, you know, 
you making a big thing out of this. Prabhupada said one thing, you know, passing yes, you can hear philosophy of freedom, and you want to make the big thing, everybody should go to him and so forth. That's not what Prabhupada's Prabhupada didn't order. If Prabhupada wanted everybody to go to Sridhar Maharshi, I mean, he would have made it clear if he wanted Sridhar Maharshi to be the Siksha Guru. He would have made it clear. He would have, made, he would have, you know, laid it all out. You know, I heard somebody say, it's just like the Ritviks. Prabhupada says one thing and you want to make a big thing out of that. No, it's not like that. And I'll tell you why, for two reasons. Ritvik is Apasadamta, that's one. Hmm? No, it's not like that. And the second thing is, yes, Prabhupada didn't make a thing out of it because Prabhupada didn't know that Prabhupada didn't want Sridhar Maharaj to be the successor. He wanted his disciples to be the successors, and he didn't want to burden Sridhar Maharaj with being the successor. Prabhupada also had that kind of relationship with him. He didn't want to burden him. Sometimes he would even write a question, address it to Govinda Maharaj, please you ask Sridhar Maharaj this question. When Sridhar Maharaj was invited and came to Chaitanya to, to, uh, Mandir, preside over the installation of the uh, Anantaseish deity, Prabhupada had lunch with him and then he went down and he put Siddharmarsha in his bed for rest. He went down and presided over it. And afterwards, Siddharmarsha asked, well, you know, you invited our Guru Maharsha here to preside, but you, know, you went down and presided over it and you kept him up here. How am I supposed to understand that? He said, oh, he gave his blessing. He came here. Everything's done. I just carried out the work. I didn't want to trouble him with that. So these are affectionate, you know, and real dealing, real feelings that they, 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 that they kind of shared with one another, you know, appreciating one another and, and, uh, and, 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 and so forth. So a very, very uh, capable and competent uh, Guru. It, it came by the transcendental system. He didn't want to burden him with it. He didn't think, I'm going to ask Sridhar Marsh. He asked Sridhar Marsh actually to, at one point, to be the president of ISKCON and so forth. Sridhar Marsh didn't think he'd outlive him and the proper said maybe maybe he said well maybe we shouldn't pursue it you know it, it could be complicated and it could be you know so he wanted his disciples to succeed him and Sridharmarsh wanted them to succeed him too in, in every way he wanted them to be glorious and the mission would be most glorious in that light he wanted that but it didn't happen he was there to help and rather than take the help worse than that they opposed and so by d- default so to speak, we're calling him the successor to Prabhupada by default. Prabhupada didn't reason about it, think about it, instruct us like that. But read the writing on the wall. What happened? Prabhupada didn't tell us to do a lot of things that were done also that changed the deck. And therefore, you know, Krishna says, I've got a parampara, I keep it intact. That's in my control. So this is my arrangement. He brought Sri Dharmarsh to the fore. Naturally, he didn't push his way there. You know, there was no big fanfare. There weren't any bumper stickers, Sridhar, you know, uh, buttons. And they had these things, you know, button for this Swami, button, they're printing bumper stickers and buttons and hats. And, you know, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a this one, I'm a follower of that one, you know, buying a Mercedes and all, you know, all pink Cadillacs. And one fellow had his pink Cadillac shipped from Florida to. Mexico, because when he got there, he wanted his pink Cadillac there. I mean, Sridhar Maharaj wasn't doing these kind of things by, you know, to, to look like a guru, <laughs> the Acharya, you know, Sakshad Hari. No, he was wearing, wearing tattered cloth, you know, sitting on his veranda and just thinking about verses and their meaning, scratching his head and his beard, you know, kind of unkempt and so forth. And, there we came, you know, some of us were dumped at his door, so to speak. There we, and, and then out of his kindness at that age, 90% blind, practically he couldn't walk off the veranda, practically. And he spent a good two hours a day in the morning and afternoon for years with whoever would come to speak to them. I went there once for one month alone, and he spent two hours just talking in the afternoon. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of energy. I come and give a talk. I give a talk, you know, sometimes in the festivals, morning, evening. It takes a lot of energy to give those talks. He was late 80s. And he was giving that time to us and expecting absolutely nothing in return. Absolutely selfless. You could not find a better guide, like a glove fit on a hand, 
through to fill in and help support what Prabhupada wanted, that his disciples would be his successors, to energize them, to give them uh, advice. And he would, and he, and he would the, way, the way he would give advice, he would give like this, and he would be open if you had feedback, you know, to say, okay, well, maybe not like that then. Let me do it like this. I'm thinking like this. You know, with regard to practical things, with regard to Siddhanta, it's another thing. Um, you know, we'd always try to harmonize. When Kirtananda Swami put the crown on the Prabhupada deity, like a king, and then the, the Godbrothers were complaining, they putting a crown on Prabhupada, and Sridhar tried to harmonize it and find ways that maybe we could, you know, look at it. He had a hard, one with, a hard time with that one. <laughs> but, you know, that's what he was like. He was a harm, really a harmonizer. And uh, so that kind of mentality... Also, it made him a perfect fit for the time. When you've got all these kind of young men in there, maybe they have some ambition, definitely they have some ambition. <laughs> and they're trying to fill the shoes of their guru and, and so on and so forth. And so there'd be different opinions. And, and so he could harmonize it in a beautiful way. And you'd go to him with your whatever, your kind of debate, and he'd you know, take it to Krishna Leela for the answer with, you know, Analogies and so forth, and you think, wow, that was, you know, what was the question? You know, <laughs> well, that was great. Uh, that was nourishing and so forth. So, a perfect, perfect. Uh, other people have tried, and to some extent have also nourished Prabhupada. But I, I can tell you, there's, and I know them all, no one was a better fit and a more competent person to be, and in the most natural way, the Siksha Guru for Prabhupada's disciples. And in a way that just not getting in the way at all, acknowledging he's had differences of opinion from Prabhupada on certain things, he had to live with that, and you could take Prabhupada's or his, you know, it didn't matter to him, you know. It was, it was just really, really, it was very re- refreshing. I mean, if you think of the time that it's today and the fanaticism and so forth, he didn't have any fanatical bone in his body. So, you know, well-balanced and so much gray area, you know, it wasn't black and white for him. He was willing to, you know, sift through the gray. It could be this way, you could look at it like that. And I mean, absolutely perfect uh, person to be the Siksha Guru. And it happened in a natural way, as I said, to use a phrase of Prabhupada, you know, by the transcendental system, you know, Parikshit fasted and Sukadev came, you know. No appointment, no, you know, nothing official. Something that just happened like that. There was a gap. Krishna filled the gap. So, so much of his wealth and contribution, it came to the fore because of that um, necessity. And it has filtered out here and there and so forth widely. Um, and that's that's good, but it's still important for us to, to um, have discussions like this and and impress this kind of point and so forth that people could understand the history and and, and, and still today I find I'm finding you know some God brothers in connection with me understanding something that they had they didn't know anything about I mean they were told they were good devotees they were told one thing about Sridhar Maharaj which was wrong but they believed it because they were good devotees they wanted to follow their leaders and so forth the leadership all fell apart and so forth and so on, they maintained ideas that they heard because they had no other previous experience, and then they get experience with someone like myself, and, and, and now they're, they're thinking, "Wow, this is yeah, Sridhar Maharaj. This is a wealth." And, and you start to put it together and realize, "Wow, this is the greatest sin to have blocked people from this um, opportunity." And um, you know, it's still there. As I say, the books are out and about, and so but to really rectify, in my estimation, that the wrong that was done, you need to make a campaign. Print all of his books from the BBT in style, you know, and circulate them widely, you know, and, and compensate for the what it, what what uh, what was done wrong in relation to Sridhar Maharshi and Siksha. His Siksha was nothing but pure compassion and deep, deep insight. And you didn't have to agree with every word of it. You know, it wasn't like that. You know, if you really knew what you were, what you were doing, you would agree with <laughs> every word of it. But if you wanted to take, well, Prabhupada said it like this, well, you know, okay, good, you know, that's good too. You know, great. Hmm? 
that's okay. You know, that's like, wow, that itself is, is it would be a great insight for a lot of people to have these days. Such a, such a, such a, you know, such an idea that there could be two opinions on one verse. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's how backwards it can be uh, in some, 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 some circles. So there's still, you know, much, uh, as he put it, um, uh, what did he call it? Welfare. Uh, relief work. Relief work. Relief work to be done. So when we get, you know, for myself, one godbrother catches this, I feel such a, such a gain, you know, uh, for that, for the, for the group, for the Sampradaya, more so than a new pe- person joining practically, that they can catch that and start to grow with that and so forth. So... We're honored, uh, at any rate, to, they say, to have a couple of God brothers who caught this early on. And, and um, of course, all of you who didn't meet him have caught it like like that, too, upon hearing it, because you're a good Sukriti. So I'm blessed to have your your company and be able to say a few words in glorification of Bhakti Rakshakshira Dev Goswami Maharaj. Shidare Goswami Maharaj, Abhibhava Mahamotsivatiti ki jai. Bhakti Rakshak Shidare Goswami Maharaj ki jai. Bhakti Rakshak Shidare Goswami Maharaj ki jai. Kaisi Bhakti Bhadanda Sami Prabhupada ki jai. Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Sastritaku Prabhupada ki jai. Bhakti Vinod Paribhad ki jai. Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Nityananda ki jai. Radha Govinda ki jai. Gaur Premanande. Gaur.